Welcome to the Minimum Viable Podcast, a project of the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. Our mission is to inspire, connect, and empower people in order to promote a culture of innovation in the U.S. national security community. You can learn more about DEF and get involved at DEF.org. That's D-E-F dot O-R-G. We look forward to your ideas and are excited to connect you with other doers working on hard problems. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Minimum Viable Podcast, the MVP. I am so lucky today to have the team from the Defense Acquisition University. We will probably refer to that a lot as DAU moving forward. And here today are Dr. Marina Theodatu, Eric Ferraro, and Lolita Horn. And I am so happy to have you guys here and to talk about Innovate to win and the efforts at DAU. But let's start off by you introducing yourselves and the role that you have not only at DAU, but in this project. And Dr. Theodatu, I'll kick it over to you. Trish, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to meet with you and to reach out to the amazing uh, Defense Entrepreneurs Forum membership and the great things that you do for the DOD innovation ecosystem. I'm Dr. Marina Theodotu. I'm an organizational change expert uh, at DAU, and I'm super excited to be working with an amazing team to lead our efforts on the Innovate to Win project, which we're going to discuss in a little bit. Thank you. That's fantastic. Eric, over to you. And for those of you who can't see us today, which is everyone listening, I am totally digging with two spoons Eric's background, which is a submarine. So maybe there's some backstory to that. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm on the faculty at uh, Defense Systems Management College, part of uh, DAU. I have a military background, uh, 20 years in the Navy. Uh, it's a Virginia class submarine behind me, which is the Navy's newest uh, fast attack uh, submarine. Um, uh, while I was on active duty, I was on a submarine and an aircraft carrier uh, during my tour. But I'm part of the, in this uh, effort, uh, I led the assessment uh, work stream where we developed a self-assessment based on the research uh, so that the workforce can um, take a look at, at their skills in this and competencies in this area. Oh, that's fantastic. And rounding third base coming to home is Lolita Horn. <laughs> Good day, everyone. Uh, yeah, my name is Lolita Horn, and I am the uh, lead for the Curated Learning Pathways uh, for this effort. And what that is, is the recommended learning based off of the self-assessment that uh, Eric just mentioned. And my other role here at the Defense Acquisition University is as a program manager for the authoring tool efforts. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, before we dive in, I'm just going to say something. I, I like have a smile uh, ear to ear on this. We've got four amazing leaders here from different sectors of uh, the defense and national security community. And in International Women's Month, three of them are women. Clap, clap, clap. I know that uh, probably the listeners will hear this in April, but I didn't want that moment to sneak by us without uh, giving two snaps and saying thank you. Um, okay, Marina, back over to you. Tell us about the Innovate to Win project and its genesis and how you pulled the team together. Thanks so much, uh, Trish. So, yes, so Innovate to Win is uh, DAU's initiative to answer two key questions that are foundational to our ability to 
out-innovate the adversary. So the first question is, what are the baseline innovation skills our workforce needs to out-innovate the adversary? And the second question is, what is our people innovation readiness? Believe it or not, Trish, today at the DOD and at the DAU level and at the broader DOD level, we're not able to answer that question credibly. We do have more than 217 innovate innovation cells around the, the DOD that are doing amazing work. We have uh, our uh, national defense strategy and the National Defense Authorization Act, both pointing us to innovation and what we need to be focusing on. However, we don't have a baseline innovation competencies and skills model where we can define and describe the competencies, skills, and behaviors we need to have as a basis to build from to be more innovative. So president, the president of DAU, Mr. Jim Woolsey, charged us to answer these two questions. And uh, super, as I mentioned earlier, we're super excited to have been working on this effort with Lolita and Eric and a number of other amazing faculty within TAU. We've been at it since November. It's been a very fast paced project. And uh, today we are super excited to share that we've built the minimum viable product. And Trish, you've been very involved in our efforts because you're part of the advisory team we pulled together to help us vet and kick the tires on every single step of this effort that we've been building. I Before, before I stop in this um, part of my answer, I wanted to highlight that uh, DAU's efforts support the Honorable Deputy Secretary of Defense, uh, Kathleen Hicks, and her vision of deepening and strengthening the innovation ecosystem within the DOD and the national uh, security uh, environment. So we are working really hard and uh, we are really focusing and making sure that we keep the learner at the epicenter. As Eric mentioned earlier, we, for the first time, we're, we're bringing in the workforce members and having them be part of the advisory team along with uh, innovators like yourself and other thought leaders from industry and academia to make sure that we have as close to as possible to a 360 perspective of all the different angles uh, around innovation to make sure that we are vetting um, the minimum viable product, which has three pieces. The first piece is the actual competencies. So we've identified three domains, thinking innovatively, collaborating innovatively, and cultivating innovation. These are the three big umbrellas underneath which we've identified 15 competencies total. So the next question will probably be, so how did you come up with this, Marina? Did you guys pull it out of a book? The answer is no. We actually triangulated academic research, industry practice, and workforce insights. What what We asked the workforce members, what, what do you need to be more innovative? What are the skills that are more important to you? So we brought all these uh, elements together to build the competency model and then the self-assessment and then the curated learning pathways. I'll stop here. There's a lot to talk about, but I'll stop here and uh, turn it back over to you, Trish. 
I do love what you said. And I mean, when I get in the room at, with the advisory team and the faculty, I'm blown away. And Lolita, you had kind of mentioned this before we uh, went live this morning. Uh, but one of the cool things that I liked was how you kind of connected the dots of who you wanted in the room. And you talked a little bit, uh, Lolita, I'll let you talk a little bit of kind of the best practices that you saw from industry and how we brought those in. Uh, because what right looks like is always a good on-ramp. Uh, when you start new projects. But Marina, you kind of talked a little bit about who you decided to invite and where you heard their public voice. So can you share a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So connecting the dots is a big, a big um, element of what we're doing, connecting the dots across people and ideas and best practices and connecting the dots across academia, industry and DOD context. So when, when uh, we were charged with this team, my first thought was we definitely need to bring outside voices to help us. This is too big to be developed only within the DAU walls, virtual or otherwise. So we went out to LinkedIn, actually. LinkedIn, it's, it's, it's uh, you mentioned this earlier, Trish, it's the public square. And you have to be discerning who from the public square you bring in to help inform your efforts and help you think differently and help you broaden your perspective. So we wanted to, to go out and, um, and reach out to those leaders that have an active and value adding perspective on innovation on a daily basis, not just once every blue moon, but consistently thinking differently. And Trish, definitely you at the helm of DEF, bring that um, every day. And I'm, I'm always following uh, your posts mm -hmm. and, uh, and your insights because they, they, you and many others that we've invited uh, to our advisory team help us keep the aperture wide open and help us Again, I'm going to use the term again, kick the tires on what we're building and make right. sure that it is relevant. We want it relevant. We want it uh, contextualized and we want it actionable. So that's where the advisory team, we started with 29 people and we are more than 50 strong right now. We have other federal agencies that have reached out to join, including OPM and OMB and uh, GSA, and uh, we have representation from all the services. And so it's, uh, it's exciting. It's and mix. we have, yeah, and we have some of the, some cool uh, universities that have joined us, including Arizona State University, and um, also folks from industry or thought leaders from industry. That sounds amazing. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back, talk a little bit to Lolita and Eric about some of the topics that you've teed up. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, everyone, it's Trish Martinelli, the executive director of the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. And I'm calling to all innovators, entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs with the sound, within the sound of my voice to consider joining the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum volunteer team and our virtuous insurgency. Have you ever wanted to be a part of the team that creates amazing events, connects you with others across the innovation ecosystem, and empowers your entrepreneurial journey? Well, wait no longer. Now is your chance. As Steve Jobs said at our last annual conference, the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum is a scrappy little organization that punches above its weight. 
be part of the fight. We need volunteers on our operations, communications, strategy, finance, and community building teams. Join our team now and be part of something great. Help us create a better future by volunteering with the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. Just go by def.org backslash volunteer and together we can make a difference. Okay, Lolita, we're gonna jump in uh, with you here. And uh, we're back in three, two, one. All right, everybody, we're back on the Minimum Viable podcast and here with the team from the Defense Acquisition University hearing about Innovate to Win. Lolita, we uh, talked a little bit before the break about some of the best practices from industry that you had spoken about and some of the other aspects of your particular contribution to the work. So I'd like to kick it over to you. Well, uh, again, I was responsible for working with the curated learning pathways, which was a direct result of the self-assessment that Eric mentioned earlier. Um, and basically our sort of heaven on earth is that anyone in the DOD interested in enhancing their innovation chops would take the self-assessment and then along with some general overarching reports and feedback that they would received, they would also be offered a curated pathway that gives them training in all of the different competencies. So we have three domains, thinking, collaborating, and cultivating. And under those domains, we have about 15 competencies that lend themselves to what does it actually mean to achieve or to work towards a thinking mindset in support of innovation. Um, and those curated learning uh, pathways would be personalized and uh, it wouldn't just be, you know, for example, um, credit earning courses. It would include things like videos, like podcasts, which we're doing now, like TED Talks, articles, and so on, book summaries, all just-in-time targeted learning opportunities to, to cultivate growth and, and structure around innovative thinking under the Department of Defense. No, I so. love that. I love <laughs> that you talked about that because um, part of the deep roots that I have with the Defense Acquisition University um, came about a year ago when I was actually privileged enough to be a DAU TEDx talker. Um, and it's really just, um, it's just opened up a whole world of thought and um, different conversations because I was able to, you know, to get on the stage and, and speak about something that normally would not be um, in this genre of what we're doing, and that is anxiety and how it impacts mission accomplishment. But Eric, I am super excited about the learning pathways. I know Lolita kind of touched on it, and I would I, I would say that people learn differently. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was going through school, that was not recognized. It was just like, sit down, get your pen, and you're going to learn. But yeah. I, I am a visual learner. And I have dyslexia, and that was really interesting when I was studying foreign languages with different alphabets. But um, I guess just all that to say, to tee up that learning styles are differently, and maybe right. you could tell us a little bit about the pathways. Well, and, and more than that, kind of tied to that really, is it's, this is the new DAU. Historically, DAU was, you have a list, uh, it was, the perception was, here's the required courses, you have to go to DAU. And as a whole, we're transforming 
from that model to more selected learning, this learning pathways is takes it even to the lower level where you take a self-assessment and you kind of determine where you need particular uh, 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 learning assets to apply to that skill set, uh, which is very different than the than the past model. And to that, and the learning pathways are curated based upon. Well, I'm really weak in this area, so I so we'll provide a, a some uh, option uh, a curated learning path. It's like okay, well, a growth mindset. I I I don't understand that, or um, the way it's centered. It's a series of statements and a Likert scale of I I strongly disagree or I. To, I strongly agree. And based upon how you respond, we'll, we'll assign, if you will, the system will, uh, will say, okay, these two learning assets are something you should go look at. And it's, as to your point, it's, it's, a, it's a TED Talk or it's a online LinkedIn course. We're taking advantage of what's available to the acquisition workforce uh, through DAU. And again, that's also part of our uh, DAU transformation to be part of a dynamic network. And as um, and everything we're doing here just fits that to, to the T by, as um, uh, Marina mentioned, uh, connecting the dots through LinkedIn and, and things along those lines. So it's really um, very different uh, here at D. I've only been here about five years, but even so, it, and I've always enjoyed all my courses here, but we're taking it to the next level so you can pick and choose based upon how you assess your skills rather than you got to take this whether you need it or not. And I'll ask you just briefly before I go uh, to Marina. I, I mean, I would imagine, again, I kind of said that, you know, my learning paradigm was different growing up. I, I would imagine that some of the new technologies that, you know, are kind of coming into full implementation, artificial intelligence, machine learning, natural language processing, are powering some of the ways that you're able to curate these pathways. Is it um, a significant technology background? We're using what we have for the MVP, uh, which is a learning management system. And so because we are on a short timeline, we didn't want to go out and buy something new or have to implement something new. So we're using our existing learning management system that the acquisition community, 180,000 strong, already have access to, and we can get, run the assets through that, if you will. So not yet, but uh, for an MVP, this is the as you're very familiar with the concept, uh, we have to put it out there, see how, and then iterate from there. And I love that. Before we go to our next break, Dr. Theodatu, can we come back a little bit to um, the way that people free themselves or allow themselves to engage in innovation? And, uh, you know, I, I, I should probably know the name of this experiment before I reference it, but there's a famous experiment where there's bananas hanging from the ceiling and there's monkeys and a ladder, and they can get the bananas if they go up the ladder, but every time they do, they're sprayed with a hose. And as generation after generation of monkeys are replaced, um, they pass along this knowledge that if you try to get the bananas, you'll get squirted with a hose. So after two or three rotations of, of monkeys in there, they just don't go for the bananas anymore. Um, maybe that's a very uh, you know, loose uh, connection, but it, it does speak to you know, what the people before me learned and kind of, you know, I hear people saying, well, the you know, KOs are talking about I'll lose their, my warrant and there's just no justification to that. Well, there is if you believe it. So can you talk a little bit about 
top cover and incentives as the important kind of um, almost intangible ingredients to make this work and then we'll go to a break. Absolutely. Absolutely, Trish. Thank you so much for, for reminding us of that experiment. And you're absolutely right in terms of how do we cultivate innovation and how do we scale it? We heard from Dr. Schmidt a few years ago, I believe it was in 2018, he said the DOD doesn't have an innovation problem. He has an innovation adoption problem. And today we'll take it a step further. And uh, the way I'm rephrasing that is the DOD no longer has an innovation adoption problem. Today we have an innovation scaling problem because we have so many amazing innovation cells within, within the department, and yet we are challenged with scaling. So where Innovate to Win comes in by creating a common language of these competencies and skills, we, we aspire to facilitate the conversation and also the ability to measure our innovation readiness. But this is just one part. So the Innovate to Win effort is really a three-part initiative. Phase one is the knowledge and skills. Do our people have the knowledge and skills they need to go from A to B? So we're focusing on that. However, that's not enough. We can have the most well-trained innovators, but if we don't have top cover, if we don't have a culture that really embraces innovation across the department, not in some pockets of the department, and if we don't have psychological safety elements based on Dr. Edmondson's uh, work and many others, then we're not going to be able to scale innovation uh, as fast as we need and as fast as we want. And then the third part is, well, it's great that we have trained people and they have supervisors that provide top cover and incentivize them to be innovative, but does the organization have the budgets, the billets, the technologies, and the tools that will serve as a platform to enable innovation to scale at, again, the speed and uh, the relevancy that we need. So this Innovate to Win first MVP element focused on the knowledge and skills, part one. We're kicking off the second part, April 7th, to focus on the culture and the motivation whether it's intrinsic and extrinsic, which includes incentives and includes the top cover element and uh, the culture, cultivating a culture of innovation, not in pockets, but across the department. That's going to be a difficult one. We're going to need all the help we need and all the insights we need from, from deaf and uh, leaders like yourself. And then down the line, um, probably towards the summer, end of the fiscal year, we'll be tackling the third part. And again, these are MVPs on all elements. So that's where we are. We are, we are on, a, on a journey. We're trying to go fast. We, we failed a little bit. We're trying to fail fast and learn. And uh, we need all the, the insights and perspectives from leaders like yourself and, and others within the DOD and the national uh, security uh, innovation ecosystem to be able to to ensure we're answering the key questions. We are 
we know we're gonna we're not gonna answer any everything and we cannot solve everything, but we're definitely committed to answering the key questions and working together to get there. That sounds great. We're gonna take a quick break and be right back with the team from the Defense Acquisition University and the effort Innovate to Win. Be right back. Hi, I'm Daniel Holter. A few years ago, some collaborators and I realized the cavalry wasn't coming for us innovators and innovation enablers in the national security trenches trying to affect change. We started the community of practice Agitare as a convening space for synchronous events and asynchronous dialogue, a place to grow through practice in fields of facilitation, design, sense-making, futures, systems thinking, and more. We can all become the catalysts of change that we hope to see. Find Agitare on LinkedIn, YouTube, and agitare.def.org, where you can join us on Slack. Okay, everybody, we're back. Minimum Viable Podcast with the team from the Defense Acquisition University and Eric. We've talked a little bit about learning pathways, but I'd like to talk to you a little bit about some of the self-assessment questions and maybe drill down into the open text questions, non-attributable, attributable, um, that talk about culture and why it's so important to have those questions in with the rest. Right. Um, it's something near and dear to my heart. In fact, I actually have a lesson on uh, creating a high-performing culture. Uh, so the the assessment is actually statements, not questions. But uh, we have two, and the and based on how you answer the state or whether you agree or disagree with the statements, you'll that'll generate the learning pathway and the curated assets. We have two questions that don't contribute to that that are open text. That because we recognize, as as Marina said, we have innovative people and have the skills, but it's the organization culture that puts a kibosh on it uh, in kind of uh, gen generic terms. And so we ask those two questions about what, um, how is innovation incentivized within your organization, just to get the data points for the next phase of the project uh, to see, and then. Um, what barriers are they? The second question is, what barriers do you see to innovation? So we could have the most innovative person in an organization, but as I said, if the boss doesn't like to take risks or doesn't empower them to make decisions, uh, which is all part of culture, or they don't have that psychological safety, as Marina said, to offer it up, uh, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and so that's why we're using those primarily to move us into the next phase of the iteration of this model and competencies to, to see, okay, what do we need to do organizationally across DOD to, to move the needle and get more innovation into, into the uh, community of acquisition? I love that. That sounds like, I, I'm just really impressed I think that people, you know, might think about, you know, a military learning institution and be like, man, they don't do anything creative or innovative. But um, I, I see over and over again that this um, this effort is completely blowing that, uh, you know, stereotype right out the window. Lolita, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about innovation. Uh, you said, uh, you know, that you're a program manager. Again, some people might think, oh, that's very like cost schedule performance. <laughs> this is boring. Um, but clearly you've been involved in this innovation project. And it's been my experience that a program manager really does need to be innovative. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your before and after? As a program manager before, did you feel that you had license to be innovative? And now that you've been involved in this project, has anything changed? So 
the fabulous thing is that uh, working with DAU and being a part of this project has opened up a whole lot of doors for me in, in terms of innovation. But authoring tools, working with authoring tools in particular, innovation is always right there over the, it's always the next big thing. What is the next tool, the next uh, feature, the next piece of functionality that's being offered? So it's always uh, embedded in the things that we do on a daily basis with our authoring tools team. But what I can tell you is that over the course of the last couple of years, sort of as a result of uh, the pandemic, we're all trying to find new ways to do the things that we used to do before. Because now we have different environments, we have different um, attention spans for the activities that we used to sort of spend a whole lot of time in. And then we're spending a whole lot of time in activities that we used to do, uh, other ways. For example, with all of the classes that we take, part of our, our connecting of the dots, if you will, is alignment, engagement, and fit. Those are sort of the, the three overarching things that we think about as we're curating the learning pathways. Well, that same ideology could be applied to how we learn today, what we prefer in our learning assets, right, in general, uh, because we don't want to spend three weeks in a particular course, if perhaps the essence of that course could be drilled down to three days or better yet, three hours. So as we're trying to come up with new ways to present existing content where we're taking the most advantage of the time that we'll have with the learner um, and the time that they'll, they'll give to us uh, and the objective of the learning, well, that opens up many, many doors for you know how innovation will lend itself to the success of the DOD, of DAU, and of you know this particular effort. So there you have it. I think that's amazing. Um, and Marina, I'd like to come back to you. So I'm going to give you a magic wand uh, and say um, no constraints. At the end of the effort or a year from now in the innovate to win efforts, what would it look like for you and what would it mean to the participants? Wow, I love that question, Trish. So we've been thinking a lot about that with the team. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, we've always had the learner at the epicenter of our effort. And as you highlighted, this initiative, Innovate to Win, gives agency to the learner the learner now has the agency to self-assess where they think they are when it comes to innovation. And then they can dive into the learning pathways that we recommend. And we go a step further. We give them an opportunity to actually explore more assets and dive deeper if they so choose so that they can really cultivate their uh, innovation mindset. And just like Lolita mentioned earlier, use it on the job for the next initiative to be more innovative and know that they have the tools that they need to be able to, to really take that innovation mindset to the next level. So a year from now, so fast forward to March of 2024, where we would like to be is to be able to have more than 
90,000 of our DAU acquisition workforce members participating in this uh, Innovate to Win effort. And uh, just to clarify, we are serving 186,000 members of the workforce. So yeah, we're going to, uh, we, we're, we're uh, reaching high and this is definitely a stretch goal to 50%. We're starting very small, always starting small, start, think big, start small. So we have the pilot that starts on April 17th for the first 200 members of the workforce that have reached out to join. And uh, we, I'm pleased to share that uh, we have that number right now. Uh, so we actually have more than 200 people that reach out and have registered. And we're super excited to start there and uh, move to probably 10,000 if we can uh, in the next six months. And then from there, reach for the stars. So our goal is to be able to have more data more credible data to help us answer the two questions that we posed in the very beginning when we started our discussion today. What are the baseline skills that our people need to be able to out-innovate the adversary? And what is our people innovation readiness metric? Now that metric, each individual that takes the self-assessment will get a report and they'll get their own uh, innovation readiness metric. However, we'll be able to also scale that up and we'll be able to look at cohorts and, and everyone that has taken the assessment and be able to, to uh, cascade the, that up to one number. So we will be able to, we are able today to answer the question, what is our innovation readiness uh, based on the number of people who have taken the self-assessment? So the more people take the self-assessment, the, the more robust that number. Okay, so I just heard a call to action for the people listening here. Take the self-assessment. Marina, just very quickly, can you tell us where that is? And then I have a concluding question for the group um, about podcasts and books. So Marina, where can people go to take this self-assessment and how can they get in touch with the project? Absolutely. Thank you so much for asking that. So they can always reach us at uh, DAU. .edu, you can Google innovation skills and uh, our project Innovate to Win will pop up. If you want uh, the link directly, it is www.dau.edu slash Innovate to Win. That is our uh, website for the project. And you can always reach out to us via email at innovate to win at dau.edu. That's innovate to win at dau.edu. That's fantastic. Eric, we're uh, we're going to bring the whole person concept into the wrap up of this podcast. So everyone listening to this podcast should clearly listen to the Minimum Viable podcast, the MVP. But what other podcasts and books would you recommend for our audience? Does not have to be work-related. And why are they at the top of your recommendation list? Um, so many podcasts to choose from. So I'll I'll answer it quickly by what's on my bedstand book. I'm I'm very you can tell from well, you can't see my gray hair, uh, or the audience can't see my gray hair, but um I'm old school and so I read books. Uh, I'm calling my, it silver. Uh, it's not gray, it's silver. <laughs> 
Um, the Kill Chain is the book on my bedstand uh, as we speak um, it, because it sets the stage for the DoD acquisition workforce and what we're facing and why innovation is going to be critical to our success long term. And the other book, and I alluded to it, where I'm passionate about organization culture. And so a book that I read and I recommend and I give away where when I when I or I used to give away is uh, The Culture Code. Uh, by Daniel Coyle. It's a great book yeah. about organization culture. And actually, there's some military DOD examples in there of high-performing cultures. That's fantastic. Lolita, how about a podcast or a book recommendation or one of each? Uh, I would suggest um, a classic book might be uh, The Innovator's Dilemma, which really speaks to sort of upstarts, but it also um, helps people understand uh, the power of disruption. So um, lots of good juicy bits in there. Um, sometimes really, really um, great examples, both in uh, industry and government. And then also, um, uh, I would also suggest, oh, Eric just gave me uh, the six hats. So I've been reading that. So thanks, Eric. So that's go. my most, so that's on my book there. stand yep. right now because Eric sure. gifted it to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Marina, we can't go without hearing uh, your podcast and book recommendations. Absolutely. I'm going to go, I'm going to go in house and I'm going to say our, our of a TEDx DAU talks. Trish, you are one of our speakers. We have been running TEDxCAU at DAU for the last four years. The, the, this year is the fifth year anniversary. TEDxCAU is coming up uh, on June 7th. And we have an amazing cadre of over 48 TEDxCAU talks that are available to anyone within um, the DOD to access. I highly recommend those. And... Uh, in terms of books, I'm an avid reader. I I love to read. And what's on my uh, bedstand today is a new book by uh, the chief learning officer of Udemy. And it's called Reculturing. She talks about how culture and rethinking the importance of culture is really critical in uh in our organizations and how we build strategy. I, I just started reading it. So I uh, I uh, will come back with uh, feedback, but uh, that's what I'm reading right now. And uh, super excited. Let me mention um, the author is uh, Melissa Daimler. She's the chief learning officer of oh, Udemy. Yeah, I've heard that name before. So um, I'll, I'll take us out on uh, just kind of a wrap up of what we've talked about for Innovate for Win. But my book is Hack Your Bureaucracy by Marina Nietzsche and Nick Sinai. Um, also another, every time I type Marina into LinkedIn, I have to decide whether it's going to be you or Marina Nietzsche. I love that. <laughs> Um, also, I'll, I'll kind of take a swerve on a book by Laura Jack called The Compassion Code, and it really helps. Oh, you've read it too, Alita. Yay! Compassionomics. Um, yes. There's another oh, book called Compassionomics. Same thing. Yeah. Yes. It really, very, uh, it's huh. one of the building blocks of psychological safety, which really enables mission readiness. And then anyone who knows me that talks about podcasts will hear me mention Throughline. 
an NPR podcast where they look back in history to kind of uh, help explain where we get on modern issues and present day thoughts and problems and conundrums. And it's amazing. Uh, so please check out Throughline. So now as we wrap up with the DAU team, Innovate to Win, you can find that at dau.edu forward slash innovate to win. Uh, this has been a great conversation with everyone on the call. It's the minimum viable podcast from the Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. And please check out Innovate to Win and give feedback, like, and subscribe to our podcast. Great to see you all. And we'll see you again. Okay, thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We love ideas and feedback, so feel free to send your thoughts to hello at deaf.org. For more great content and to stay in the loop about community events and activities, follow us on social media and subscribe to our monthly newsletter. Everyone plays a part in building the innovative national security culture we want to see. To find where you fit, just go to deaf.org slash join. That's def.org slash join.